Imagine knowing exactly what your students are learning and exactly which steps you need to take next. Join us in Down With The Reading Quiz to craft meaningful and productive formative assessments that move away from gotcha moments of basic recall and toward assessing what your students actually can do. In this 30-minute free masterclass, we'll share three powerful assessment keys that work for any novel at any time of the year. Head to shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to sign up, and we'll also send you a free workbook to keep track of all your notes. Once again, that's shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to nail formative assessments forever. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Marie. What are you up to later? Want to join me for happy hour? I'm all in. And guess what's amazing? Our listeners and friends of the podcast can also join us because Brave New Teaching Happy Hour has officially launched. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. We are officially hanging out a little bit longer after school with an extended extra private podcast feed just for you. Yes. Members of Happy Hour get extra 15 minutes of the podcast, give or take, because you know us, we run a little bit long. It's just kind of how we are. But if you would like to get in on this Happy Hour action, please join us. It is only $5 a month. Head to curriculumrehab.com slash happy hour and get yourself signed up because when you're there, Amanda, tell our friends what we do every month for our Happy Hour members. I think my favorite part is coming up with a new free resource for our listeners every month. And then we pretty much break down that resource and how to use it. We also like to have guests on to do extended episodes and even Q&A that's just for you about that resource. It's really exclusive and super private just for you. So if you are like us and you like hanging out, you like chit-chatting about all things that are teaching, teacher life, and everything under that umbrella, join us for happy hour and we will see you there. Bye. Bye. Well, hello and welcome back to Brave New Teaching. This episode is going to be the second in a series that we started about a month ago, two months ago. It is uh, our Diverse Voices, Celebrating Diverse Voices series. And as this is our first episode for the month of November 2020, we thought it would be a great time, what better time than now, to talk about Indigenous Peoples Month, which is November. And so today we're going to be showcasing and celebrating the voices of Indigenous Americans. Um, And so we've got some great authors, poets, storytellers that we're going to be talking to you about, many of whom we have both used in our own classrooms or plan to use even later on this year, their works. And we're excited to tell you about it. Hi, Amanda. Well, hey, everybody. And yes, I am so stoked about um, sharing some of these authors with you guys today. As usual, right, we kind of come at this with the reminder that um, we use these months as a time to elevate and celebrate and um, share these authors. But as teachers, we also come at these months with the reminder of um, the wonderful opportunities to embed these authors throughout the entire school year. So part of this episode is going to Um, give you some ideas for how to do that if you're not already. Um, And of course, we're also going to give you a free download at the end of this episode. Of course um, we are. Because we want to help you out. And one of the best ways to, you know, modify a curriculum that doesn't invite these types of authors into your space already. One great way to do that is through kind of smaller, close reading lessons, right? So one lesson that really works 
no matter how you slice it, is a close reading lesson on writer's voice. And so we have a template set up for you that that essentially you can just pull from any of these recommendations today, insert that section of reading that you'd like to do with your students and work with it with your students. So again, it doesn't have to happen in November. This can happen before winter break, after winter break, uh, whenever you have a space or where it pairs nicely with some other texts. So be sure to check out the show notes today after you're done listening and make a plan to get these writers and authors in your curriculum ASAP. Absolutely. It's a pick a passage, build your lesson kind of a download today. So head to bravenewteaching.com or to the show notes, like Amanda said, and I'm ready to dive right in. Are you ready to dive right in? Let's go. Let's do it. Cue the music. You're listening to Brave New Teaching, a podcast for educators challenging the status quo. I'm Amanda, and I'm a high school English teacher in Illinois. And I'm Marie, and I'm also a high school English teacher in Southern California. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy the show. Before we dive into today's episode, we wanted to tell you guys about a little opportunity we have for you. We are running a little giveaway contest sort of a thing. We are going to be giving away one free 30-minute call a month with us, your hosts of Brave New Teaching. We want to talk to you guys about whatever it is that you want to talk about, whether it's curriculum, lesson design, what's going on in your classroom, classroom management. If you just want to pick our brains about an idea or an issue or something like that, we want to talk to you. So we are going to be giving away to one listener a month, every single month, a free call. 30 minutes, we get to chit chat one-on-one. It's going to be great. Amanda, will you please tell our friends how they can enter? It's so easy. I just need you guys to head over to the Apple podcast uh, app, leave us a review, take a quick screenshot, and then just share that screenshot on social media. If you could tag us at Brave New Teaching and use the hashtag Brave New Teaching, that would be super because then we can find it and then we know that you have entered. This is going to be so great. I can't wait to just listen to the things that you guys want to talk about and go for it. Absolutely. So once again, just follow those quick steps, head to Apple podcasts, write your review, screenshot it, and then post it on social media. Make sure you tag us at Brave New Teaching and use the hashtag Brave New Teaching so that we can find you. And at the end of each month, we will be picking our winner. And then the contest will start all over again the next month. So thank you so much. We can't wait to chat with you. Let's get into the episode. Okay, Amanda, as we dive in, as we said before the music break, um, I think that the most important thing for us to address first off is kind of the elephant in the proverbial room when it comes to talking about Native American, Indigenous American writers. Um, We have one very big name who dominates a lot of this space when we're talking about like Indigenous literature, and that's Sherman Alexie. Sherman Alexie is rife with issues when it comes to talking about him in your classroom and yes. using his works, but he's, he's been dominant in the field. And so it's, I know that I myself have kind of grappled with, well, what do I do? What do I do with this author? He's got all of these allegations of sexual misconduct and abuse against him from a lot of different women. And 
there are some issues. And I know that that's something that we have talked about in pre- preparing for this episode today. Um, you're nodding a lot, Amanda. I'm going to let you jump in here. <laughs> I'm <laughs> nodding because, well, everything you're saying is what I'm hearing on Instagram, what I'm hearing on Facebook. And, you know, I think that there needs to be a separate episode where we really dive into what we as English teachers do with problematic authors. Um, this is not Sherman Alexi is not the only person on this list or his texts are not the only texts on this list because sometimes it's a text that's a problem and maybe not the author. So sure. I think what we need to tell you guys is that we need to fully address this issue separately from today. And what you need to know about today's episode is we have a lot of recommendations of authors for you that are not Sherman Alexi. Um, we're not going to encourage you to take a off your shelf or teach him or whatever right now. Um, but we are going to tell you that if he's the only indigenous author that you know, then there's a lot to be learned today. And our authors that we want to share with you today are um, really, really talented and amazing. So let's consider the other options, whether you include him or not. That doesn't mean you shouldn't have additional voices in your curriculum. Is that kind of what you're thinking? Absolutely. Yeah. Like I said before, like we are not judge, jury, and executioner here for Sherman Alexi, for any author or artist whose life intersects with their works, right? We do, however, have a whole lot of other names outside of this one person. So that's what we're going to dive into today. Um, Amanda has an exhaustive list, not exhaustive. She's a really good list. I have a few that I'm going to add in there as well. And you know, Amanda has some poetry. So let's jump into your list and then I'll kind of like pepper in before we, oh, we also have you guys some pairings of like ideas that we have for how and when some of these specific texts and specific authors would work really nicely into curriculum that we know is already existing and out there and happening. So you, you take it away, my friend. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about this. So if if you're looking to either replace or uh, accompany something like Alexi, you're looking for contemporary uh, writings from indigenous authors. Um, I've taught a handful, um, not all of these, um, but I did do my research before this episode and I sourced out some friends and some Facebook groups um, and people that I've talked to. So Velma Wallace is one for your list. Uh, Thomas King, uh, Eric Gainsworth, he wrote, if I ever get out of here, it's a young adult book. Um, that's been, I know in, in Illinois, we have an Abraham Lincoln award list that he's been on. Um, really, really good. His name comes up everywhere I search. Um, so he's someone to look at. Um, Richard Wagamese is, um, he wrote Indian Horse and he's a Canadian uh, indigenous author and Indian Horse has got some really interesting reviews. It was turned into a major uh, motion picture, um, but the novel itself is fascinating based on a true story um, and really, really cool and worth checking out. Um, the other big uh, title on this list that keeps coming up over and over again is Cherie Damaline. I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, but the book is called The Marrow Thieves. Yes, Again, yes. one that I've never taught, but it's, have you taught it or read it? No, I, it's on my list for next yes. quarter for my juniors. And I've realized, sorry, quick caveat here, listeners. I realized I kept saying indigenous American authors. I meant indigenous authors. Sorry. I'm in the American lit world. So I'm kind of, my yes. brain's a little bit steeped in saying the word American. Um, no, The Marrow Thieves is, uh, uh kind of like dystopian, isn't it? Yes, it's dystopian. Yes. Yeah. So it's actually not even on my junior list. It's on my sophomore list. Very excited 
to get that as one of the options for students because it's fresh and it's new and it's not something that most of my students have seen yet. Yes. And um, the only reason I haven't taught it yet is because I couldn't get enough copies. <laughs> so I'm hoping in a couple months I'll be able to do that. And there you go. And then there's yeah. Louise Erdrich um, is another, another high, uh, uh, high praise for her as well. So there are so many great authors on, on this list um, that, that would just serve as a replacement. Like I said, if you're looking for contemporary voices, these are all authors who are writing now or very, very recently and are worth examining in your canon. So, and remember, like when we're talking about using authors from novels that maybe you haven't read before, right? Like Amanda and I were talking about The Marrow Thieves. And she's never taught it. I've never taught it, but I have read, oh my gosh, I think I've read three quarters of it and then I got distracted and I'm coming back to it before I teach it. You don't necessarily have to teach the entire novel, right? Like you can take excerpts and chapters and teach them like short stories. You can take short passages and do close readings, like really tight close readings, like the one that we have for you today with the download with author's voice. Um, it, it, it can be really overwhelming and intimidating to think, oh, I'm going to pull in new authors and I have to learn a whole new novel before I, no, 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 no. Just take a little piece. St students need context to be able to understand whatever the excerpt is. And then you're still providing them with a wide array of perspectives, right? Like that is what we're looking to do in a lot of this and celebrating diverse voices is bringing in and including, not necessarily cutting out a whole ton. So you don't have to do the whole novel. You don't even have to do a whole chapter. You can do four pages and it provides students with opportunity and it provides them with um, a broadened view. So I just wanted to like make that note because like I, my teacher self hears all of these names and I get really excited and then my bubble bursts and I get really overwhelmed. And then I remember we don't have to read every book out there. The students who are avid readers will totally read every book out there and this will serve them greatly. The kids who are not avid readers and won't be doing this on their own would not have found these authors on their own. Therefore, getting a page or two pages of their work is still doing right by our students, right? Yeah, so I'll put all of this on in our show notes. I'll link um, some interviews and some recommendations all through there. Um, so that's just kind of like the first section of our episode today. The next two sections, so I wanna talk about pairings. So I'm not done with, with ideas and I know you're not either. So no. <laughs> let, let's kind of move on to talking about pairings, whether that's units or, um, or conceptual types of things. And then let's talk about poets as well, because poetry is another great, as, as you know, I think poetry is one of the best places to widen your textual and cultural exposure for students, because it doesn't take, like you said, a novel six, seven week investment right. in time and research. So um, let's go pairings and then let's go poets. What okay. do you do for pairings, Marie? So, okay. I love to use in my classroom audio texts as much as I can. And when we're talking about indigenous authors, storytelling and the oral tradition is such a huge part of that culture and history. And so I found a gold mine <laughs> that can be paired with a lot of different things. It can be paired with uh, early American texts when we're talking a lot of American literature will be kind of like a survey course, which I think I have a little bit of a philosophical issue with teaching American literature as a survey course through history. But I know that Native American or early American literature can be a really big unit. Being, um, sorry, I'm all over the place right now because I got really excited. PBS.org, okay? Public broadcast, Rob, public 
broadcasting. You guys, what is going on today? Has a like a special series or a special section of their site. It's called Circle of Stories. And it showcases four indigenous storytellers. And when you click on their names, you get a little history about the actual storyteller, him or herself. You get a little background on their culture and their people's traditions. And then you get an actual like text of a story that they tell with a link. So you get the transcript with a link to them telling the story. And so you can play the audio in your classroom. And these sorts of stories that are part of the oral tradition of, pe- of uh, groups of people pair brilliantly with any short story unit you're doing. They pair brilliantly with any sort of origin story or mythology unit that you might be doing. And being able to hear them like really brings students into the context of the culture and the voice from which these stories come, right? Because they're passed down through generations and generations and generations orally, being able to hear it and read along and, and dissect the text visually and auditorily. Yes, that is the correct term. Um, really immerses students in the experience and it, it brings things to life and talk about author's voice, right? Like you're literally hearing the voice of the artist. Um, so that's one of the things that I love to do. Like I said, it's on PBS. We're going to link all of this stuff, but I love PBS because they like really do their research and there's a bunch of different stuff here too. There's a whole section on for educators, but I just like to look at the storytellers and sometimes you can find some really good videos of storytellers as well. And students are able to see the physicality of storytelling. Um, yeah. So that's like the big one that I have, but I know you have another, you have more ideas for pairing. I kind of want to just piggyback off of what you said, really, because I think, so you brought up this idea of the oral tradition and creation stories. And I I think, you know, when we kind of look through the traditional curriculums that are offered for ELA, we very often will include Greek mythology and Roman mythology, but step aside, you know, like kind of ignore indigenous mythology and creation stories. And I think that that's a great place to validate, right? That part of, of the culture. Um, I do understand why Greek mythology is so right ubiquitous, but it's, it's a great chance for you to say, well, this is important too. And, and pair, right? Just a little pair right there is a great moment. And then you also brought up early American literature. Um, and I think, you know, we talked about this very briefly in our earlier episode on teaching, you know, what is America's story? Mm-hmm. And if America's story is being taught without the voices of indigenous writers, um, that's a problem. Well, it's and a big so, glaring chasm, right? <laughs> like it's yikes. missing a lot of people. Uh, yikes. So intentional work on, I don't even want to say pairing at this point, but embedding, right? These um, early American voices have need to be heard. And the, the one thing that I love to use and I used, I should say use, um, used this year is the prologue from Tommy Orange's novel, um, There, There. So There, There is actually, it's kind of a book of short stories, but they all kind of overlap. It's uh-huh. really cool. Um, it's really hard. I yeah. Think. That's like a, that's a high, this high like 11th a- grade, even AP lit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's tough, but if you are are willing to dig in and you're looking for nonfiction, his prologue is is an 
ode. <laughs> it is, it is a battle cry and it is so beautiful. Um, and, and heart wrenching to hear the way that he talks about the ways in which, um, indigenous people have been treated and transformed since the start of, of not our nation, but right? Like, you know what I mean? Right. So he, he writes, and actually, if you guys are currently following along with our gratitude bell ringer prompts, today's prompt um, is, is a Tommy Orange passage. And I want to read you a little section from the prologue. Um, his prologue, he, what does he title? He, I think he gave it a title. I'm actually, you hear all these book pages flipping. Oh, yeah. Um, so Indian head, there are sections. So he's got Indian head, rolling head and urbanity. And so this is the, the, ending section of rolling head. Um, and he writes, they took everything and ground it down to dust as fine as gunpowder. They fired their guns into the air in victory and the strays flew out into the nothingness of histories written wrong and meant to be forgotten. Stray bullets and consequences are landing on our unsuspecting bodies even now. So there's a lesson in metaphor. Yeah. Um, well, there's quick, a lesson in tone. There's, yeah. there is a lot in those two. That's all. There's a whole paragraph there, but that is two sentences of that prologue. So quick note, what Amanda is talking about and what she read, what, what she's talking about with these gratitude bell ringers. If you don't know, we have three weeks worth of bell ringers, or they could be exit tickets, or they could be little mini lessons or transitional moments or whatever you want to use them for in your classroom, but they all have to do with practicing gratitude and doing so in a rigorous and standard based kind of way. If you head to bravenewteaching.com or to the show notes, you can still sign up for them. Even though we've already started doling them out one week at a time, you can get your hands on them and use them with your students in November in December, in really any month, because who couldn't stand a little bit more gratitude? But like she's saying, that quote from the prologue of There There is one is is embedded into one of our bell ringer prompts. And it's just fantastic. And I actually kind of can't wait. I'm using the same yeah. bell ringer with my students today. So I can't really wait to see what they get from it because we've been having a lot of deep conversations about gratitude. And I think broadening their perspective and seeing what other people people can say, you know, like in different parts of the country, in different uh, ways of life. It's just, it's all the things that we want it to be in a literary discussion, right? Like- it's a great jumping off point, I think, um, for teaching things like colonialism and intersectionality. Uh -huh. uh, you know, I think one of the things that we don't talk about enough in our English classroom is that the language of English is something that has colonized the people that were already here and the people that we brought here forcibly. You know, forcing our language onto these groups of people was one of the earliest forms of colonization. And even the way we teach our language to our students, you know, we talk about this in grading grammar and how we talk about writing and how we, um, you know, assess students' use of the language. I mean, this is, this just opens up that conversation, I think, to have with students and say, you know, does your ability to speak standard English, does that really matter as a person? Does it matter culturally? Does it matter um, in your job prospects? Will you be judged a certain way? Like, I think it's really cool to think about, you know, these, these stories, you know, the Tommy Orange is a great example of someone who has 
mastered the English language, but also acknowledges that the language he's using to communicate their pain is the language that colonized his people. In the right. It's the place. language of the oppressor. Exactly. And, and it's so cool to just be able to like, start, kids, kids will start, their eyes will start to, if, you, if their cameras are on, their <laughs> eyes will start to just bug and think, whoa, I never thought about my language as an oppressive language because why would they think about that? Like that's, right. a, it's, that's what it's we're a, here for. It's a given. I know. I know. That's what we're here for, to burst those bubbles for them. You're welcome, <laughs> kids. Well, and like back to even, uh, we're still talking about pairings and that sort of, like yeah. back to even the idea of storytellers. It doesn't even necessarily have to be, these, these texts don't have to be paired with mythology. They don't have to be paired with no. early American. You could just use one of the storytellers as a short story in a short story unit, right? Like if you're just doing a pure short story unit for like, I'll do short story units normally in the beginning of the year with like 10th grade to really dig into some literary devices and like get those foundational skills really solid that they learned in ninth grade and then forgot over the summer and then came back to 10th grade and they were like, what's high school? And I'm like, you're in it. It's year two. Oh my gosh. But I digress. Um, those stories don't all have to be from that one anthology, 21 Great Stories. They don't all have to be from The Illustrated Man, right? Like, but it can be hard to find a lot of different short stories. Um, and these are a great way to just like pepper in diverse voices. It's fantastic. And you get to see how metaphors are used differently by different cultures. And you get to see all of that different, um, I keep saying the word different, but you, you get to see a lot of... Uh, varying uses of the same literary terms and devices. Yes. And, and how they're used to express pain, how they're used to yeah. express joy, how they're used to express, you know, traditional values or criticisms of those. You know, I, I think that that's, what's really powerful about using close reading as a strategy. Totally. Is kids remember those really focused lessons, those really focused moments. And you can point to those as remember when we read this, and they, they have like a really solid memory of that scene or that moment. But this, I think that what we're saying here applies to the, the last section of our episode with poetry. Uh, poets are, are, are great people to use for this kind of close reading or this kind of embedding within a curriculum. And so, you know, Marie and I kind of want to address you guys as an audience that has varying conflicts in your curriculum life. You know, there are some of you out there who are, the ninth, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade English teacher by yourself. Some of you out there are stuck with scripted curriculum. Some of you are out there kind of like me. Like I, I have a, can, we have a two high school district and we have to kind of sort of be on the same page and coordinate. And it's really hard to make big shifts mid year, but I can teach a poem tomorrow. For sure. I can, I can pair something that I have to teach with something that I want to teach. So that's kind of where we're coming from with these recommendations. So poetry, we would be remiss to not uh, point you all in the direction of the current uh, United States Poet Laureate, Joy Harjo. I teach her poem, Remember, every year. It's stunning. Um, and it would actually, if you're listening to this in real time, it's a really cool uh, piece to use at the end of the year as like a reflection. Um, really, really cool. I love her piece. Um, I'd also put on, on your list Natalie Diaz and James Welch. Um, the Academy of American Poets has like a whole entire website full of lists and lists and lists of poets that are worth checking out. I will link that for you in the show notes, but I'd say, you know, if you're trying to prioritize, 
Joy Harjo, Natalie Diaz, James Welch, get on them. And if you want one poem to teach tomorrow, it should be remember. And in fact, you may have just helped me start quarter two. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I love it (laughs) when that happens. (laughs) This Friday, we end quarter one and I'm like going, I could do this for the opening. I could do that for the opening. And then you said, remember. And I went, oh, thank you. Oh, it's so pretty. It's a really beautiful poem. I'll link it in the show notes for you guys. All right. Well, friends, we, we know that we just spit like a lot of information at you. And we went down just a couple of little rabbit holes, but nothing too crazy. But we do want you to know, like we keep saying, all of the information and all of the different sources that we have talked about will be linked in our show notes. Um, so head to the show notes wherever you're listening to this podcast. Go to bravenewteaching.com and you will see the blog post, which is the show notes for this episode. And you can get your hands on all of these great resources and get the free download that we're talking about, that uh, author's voice close reading template. It's really a template. Like It's like, pick the passage you want, throw it in there, and you've got a ready-made lesson, right? A rock and roll with a manipulative for students to actually work with. Um, we just find that templating things, because that's a verb now, is uh, a great way to like make things make sense for kids across different concepts. So hopefully... You've got at least a couple little nuggets that have got you excited and maybe you're willing to try in next month, this month, you know, like just, just pepper something in. And even like Amanda's talking about poetry, that can be a great opener to a class. It can be a great bell ringer. It can be a great bridge between, okay, we just had some sort of a unit assessment and now we're going to get started with something else, but not quite yet. So like you can bring in something kind of small to talk about bridging the gap between this concept and this concept. Um, there are a lot of different ways to do this, which once again, I'm the person that when given a lot of possibilities, I get a little stifled with anxiety because I go, oh gosh, now I have too many ideas. So just, you know, slow down. The first one that you were like, that sounds good. Use that one. <laughs> that's, that's my <laughs> advice. <laughs> I, before we leave, I just really want to thank Dawn. She left us the sweetest review um, the other day. And Dawn, I just want to tell you that we are so happy to be walking with you <laughs> through this COVID season. And uh, uh, thank you to everyone also who's, who's left us reviews. We're so grateful for them in this month of gratitude. We couldn't yep. be more thankful for you guys actually taking the time to verbalize um, how this podcast has helped you. And um, we just it, it just validates for us and motivates us to keep going because this is not our day job, but it certainly is something that keeps our creativity alive and, and keeps this profession so engaging and inspiring. So thank you for letting us be part of your drive, your exercise, your, your laundry folding, yeah. <laughs> your walk. If you're Dawn, we're walking together in your headphones. Um, so thank you guys for, for your reviews. We really appreciate it. Yes. And if you have not yet had a chance to leave us a rating and review on iTunes, please go ahead and do so when you have a moment. We so appreciate it. Don't forget that contest that we mentioned earlier in the episode at the very beginning. We can't wait to have some conversations with some of our contest winners. So with that, friends, we are going to leave you today. Thank you so much for listening. Head to the show notes to get all of the goodies that we have talked about, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye, everyone.